who are you? We're asking that question all month, and with the help of the Bible and rock band The Who and the musical Hamilton and the movie The Lion King, we're going to explore that question today. And if you're uh, curious how those fit together, stay tuned. Here we go. Let me start here. Uh, are there any fans of The Who? Oh, there, there are some. I, I just expected like maybe one or two. We've got some Who fans here today. Well, this will be fun. Uh, I, uh, I asked because The Who has a song called Who Are You? Seems appropriate for today. And, uh, and some of you may be thinking, I don't know this band or this song. I don't really know the, the Who. But um, are there any CSI fans? The TV show CSI. Uh, CSI actually used the Who's song, Who Are You, as the theme song. And uh, if you still don't know it, perhaps I can help you uh, trigger a memory this way. Who are you? Who, 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 who? <laughs> All right, that didn't help anybody. Now you know why I'm a pastor and not in a rock band. So, uh, so stories of song histories, like, they're often sort of this combination of, of legend and, and truth. But it's, it's interesting. This song, actually, uh, Peter um, uh, Townsend wrote about uh, part of the story of the, the writing of the song in his autobiography. So, so we know part of this story. And, and the story's kind of interesting. Um, as the story goes, Peter Townsend was in New York. And... Uh, and he was uh, on tour, but had a meeting in, while he was in New York with like record executives, and they were talking about contracts and royalties and uh, sort of the business side. And uh, as the story goes, he was in these meetings all day, and he was just frustrated. Like he felt like he was um, like he was selling out um, himself. He was selling out the band. He didn't didn't feel like it was being true to who he was or or who the band was. And then. That evening, he went out with a couple of friends from the, uh, from the band, the Sex Pistols, and, uh, and they were a, like a true rebel band at the time. And so it, in the story, it says he, he just got even more frustrated, and he, not good, but he drank himself into oblivion. Um, and he uh, ended up passing out in a, in a doorway in Soho. And a police officer found him there and uh, nudged him and woke him up. And, uh, and said, essentially to him, like, right, he's ready to be taken off to jail. And the police officer said, if you can walk home, just go. And if you listen to the lyrics of the song, you'll see that that whole story is, is laid out in the lyrics of that song. Um, but l- let me add a quick, um, let me ask a, a, add a quick, uh, just a, um, aside here. Um, so the the song is really about Peter Townsend asking the police officer, "Who are you?" Um, that's not what he said. There's another word in there. So uh, it appears in the song. Before you send angry emails, if you're going searching for this song, there is a there is words that my mommy says we're not supposed to use in this song. <laughs> Just want to lay that out there. Right, but the, the song it asks this question: "Who are you?" And like any like, like any music, any poetry, um, it's interesting to think about, like, Peter Townsend may be asking that question, like, he may just be reflecting on his question of the police officer, like, like who are you? Who, who are you to be this kind to me? There's a line in the song that, that kind of we'll look at in a minute that makes you think that may be what he's asking, but, but maybe there's another layer to this song, like, maybe he's asking, like, like who am I? 
Maybe he's asking himself, who, who are you? In the midst of this frustration of, of feeling like you're selling out of, of your own drinking. Whichever person it's talking about, the, in the third verse of the song, there's this line that asks sort of a fascinating next question. It says, how can I measure up to anyone now after such a love as this? It's the third verse. How can I measure up to anyone now after such a love as this? So here's where we're headed today. We're going to search the Bible to this answer of who are you, and as we do, we're going to find that the answer to this question in the Bible means that we don't ever have to ask the question of how we measure up. Right? The answer that our faith gives to the question, who are you, means that we don't ever have to ask the question that this song asks of how we measure up. So let's get to that search. Would you pray with me? Lord, take my lips this day and speak through them. And Lord, take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts, Lord, and set them on fire with your love. Amen. How many of you, I keep asking these questions, how many of you have seen the musical Hamilton? Either the movie version or, or on Broadway. Uh, in the musical Hamilton, Alexander is, uh, Alexander Hamilton is introduced by Aaron Burr to some new friends. And uh, these new friends, after introducing themselves, and then they hear Adam Hamilton admonish Aaron Burr for not, like, being real to who he is, not standing up for what he believes. And after he does that, these friends ask him a question. Anybody want to guess what the question is that they ask Adam Hamilton? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who is this? Sorry, my daughter has listened to this endlessly. I, I could quote other parts of the, of the musical, too. Uh, and Hamilton's answer, does anybody know what Hamilton's answer is? Like the first line that comes out of his mouth is, I'm not throwing away my shot. Which, it's a bit odd, right? right? I really wish Lin-Manuel Miranda would come and, and could just be here and, and sing this for us. So you could hear the whole thing, but, uh, but he was busy this morning. And so we're just going to go right to this question like, like, what, what, what is it about this answer? Like if you, you know, walked up to somebody in the street and you're like, who are you? And, uh, and the person said, I'm not throwing away my shot. Like, okay, is like a shot your last name or throwing away your shot your last name? Like what, what, what does this, what does this mean? But think about the question for a moment. Like, like think about how we answer this in, in our everyday lives. Like when somebody comes up to you and says, who are you? Right, what's the first thing you will usually offer? Your name, right? You'll, you'll offer your name. But does that really tell them anything about you? Like if they already didn't know who you were, like what do they know now? They, they know your, you know, your identifier is Brian in my case. Right? And, and then, you know, sometimes when we, we say who are you, we'll, we'll describe ourselves. But that's just the outside, right? What, is, what does that have to do with the inside? Sometimes when we answer, we'll talk about what we do. 
Um, our vocation, some of you have been in vocations for years and years. Some of you, you know, I'm, I'm you know, at this stage and I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher, uh, I'm a nurse, whatever that is. But is that, does that really capture all of who we are either? And what happens when those change? Hamilton, in his answer, he's going to get around to, to spelling out his whole first name. Um, but the song, his answer to the question, who are you? It's all about his ambition and where he's going. Actually, it's kind of where he's from and, and where he's headed. And, and as, he, as he shares this, like you, you feel his energy and, and, and passion as he defines himself by who he wants to be, by his, his goals and, and his dreams and, and where he's headed. But we, as the, as the person who gets to watch this story unfold, Right? We, we come to realize that, that it's never enough. Like identifying himself just by his achievements or, or by the next dream, it's never enough. He's never, he's never satisfied. Right? He's always defining himself by the, by the next thing. And it, it tears apart his family. It, it really in some ways, tears apart his career. In fact, in the, about the midpoint of the story, his wife sings this song to him and, and essentially says, it can be enough. You can, you can be enough. This, this can be enough. And we who are watching know, right, that, that his life had a huge impact and, and legacy. But we watch him struggle accepting who he is with his identity. I think if we're honest, when we answer this question of who we are in the world today, we aren't unlike Hamilton in a lot of ways. We answer with our achievements. You know, these are the things I've done, but, but do our achievements really define us? Is our worth, our sense of identity completely tied up into some definition of success or definition of getting ahead? What if we don't meet the definitions of our our culture for success or a good life? I get to meet with people all the time whose whose lives don't measure up with that because often they're, they're depressed and they feel like they have no purpose because they're, they're holding out their value based on, based on their achievements. They're, they're trying to identify themselves based on their achievements. And sometimes I think we also answer the, the question of who we are with, with our dreams. And it's not that our, our dreams aren't a part of us, but, but is our sense of identity, our worth, simply based on whether those dreams come true? We live that way sometimes. And then what if our dreams don't come true? What happens to our identity then? So hear me say, what we've done in, in our dreams, that's absolutely a part of, of who we are. Our hopes and our dreams and, and our achievements and, and our relationship, like all of that is, is part of who we are. Like in the musical Hamilton, these, these answers, they don't capture the whole of who we are. 
And God's Word has something to say to us about this. In 1 John chapter 3, John is writing these letters to the early church who, as Jesus has ascended, right, they are figuring out who they are as, as followers of Jesus. What is their identity? And the letter says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You are a child of God. Let me invite you to, to turn to somebody right now. If you're at home, you can turn to somebody you're watching with, or uh, if you uh, don't have anybody there, hear me say it. Turn to somebody right now and say, you are a child of God. Do that right now. You are a child of God. And now own it for yourself. Say, I am a child of God. This, this image this, uh, this understanding, it wouldn't have been new for the people at the time. There, there are allusions in the Old Testament. Psalm 103, 13, for instance, says, uh, As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him, or, or those who are reverent before him, is another way of interpreting that, interpreting those words. Right? This idea of, of God as father goes back before the, the New Testament church. And what we find, and hear me say this, as we think about who we are, our identity as children of God comes not from what we do, but from who we are. Let me say that again. As children of God, our identity comes not from what we do or or what we achieve, but it comes from who we are. You are a child of God, and this is an incredible gift. I've known a number of people who've, who've retired, and when they retired, they went through a, just a really difficult spell, Right? They were a teacher or a, or a dentist or a, or a nurse all of their adult life, right? And in retirement, suddenly they didn't know who they were anymore. I've watched people as well who, who put off retirement and put off retirement because they didn't know who they would be without, despite a, you know, like a spouse encouraging them to retire, um, they didn't know who they would be without that identity of their vocation People who lose jobs, they go through a, a similar identity crisis. And, and some of that is, is natural, right? It, it hurts to suddenly have our, our life upended or, or to retire and, and be trying to redefine ourselves. But, but notice what happens or what can happen for us if we claim this knowledge that we are a child of God first, right? You're not just a teacher, you're a child of God who's, who's been given these gifts that you use right now in your life to teach. You're not just an accountant. You're a child of God who works with, with numbers to, to help people as your vocation, as your, 
as your ministry in the world right now. Right? And here's the great part of that identity. Then when you retire, when you, when you lose a job, you don't lose the fullness of your identity. You're still a child of God who now is being invited to imagine how you can use your gifts in, in other ways. When people get sick or, or reach that age where they're at the point where they just can't do very much, it always breaks my heart when I'll sit down with them and, and they'll say something uh, very similar to this experience of loss of identity. They'll, they'll say to me, they'll be like, well, I don't know why God still has me here. Have you ever heard somebody older say that? I don't know why God still has me here. I don't, I don't know that I have anything to offer anymore. And it just breaks my heart because this... This thinking, it comes from a, a cultural belief that, that we have to be defined by what we do. That our value is somehow inherent in, in what we do instead of that we are valuable to God and moment by moment, just as God created us, as, as who we are as children of God. The Bible assures us of this, that our, our value is in who we are as children of God. one of the reasons I think this, this image is so powerful because I mean, think about when a child comes into the world, right? He or she doesn't have to do anything to earn the love of the family. Right? In the same way, we don't have to do anything to earn God's love. God already loves us. We simply have to claim that love. Now, admittedly, a child can run away from home or can deny that love or can... Um, can cut themselves off from the family. That's, that's free will. But that doesn't mean that the parent ever stops loving them or the parent ever stops desiring reconciliation and, and relationship again. In the same way, we can, we can cut ourselves off from the family. We can, we can choose to, to not be part of the family, but that doesn't mean that God isn't always pursuing us, always loving us, always desiring us to be back in the family and back in relationship and then if you think about it, when we grow old, and I know family relationships are complicated, but, but in the best of family relationships, when we grow old, our family doesn't stop loving us. Right? In fact, when we grow old, we start thinking about our, our legacy. We start thinking about the inheritance we want to leave. And Paul Paul takes this idea and, and speaks about children of God in Romans 8. He says this, All who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit that shows you were adopted as his children. With this spirit we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children. And then he goes on and he says, but, we, if, ugh, but if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ if we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. When a child is loved by a parent, shown what that love looks like, they live into it, and, and their lives come to reflect that love of the parent. 
Right? That child may not even know it when they're, when they're little. They may not know it because we, we think of inheritance in, in monetary terms, but that child receives an inheritance in the love that they have received. When someone says, you sound just like your mom, or, or uh, that look is the same one that your, your dad would give, right? They're acknowledging that as a child, you inherited values and, and, a, way of, and a way of life. Now, in, in our relationships, that's not perfect. But as children of God, Paul says, we have an inheritance that is the perfect, eternal love of God. And when we claim our place in the family, we, we receive this inheritance, right? And we get to share in this love. And then we, get to, we, we begin to reflect that love into the lives around us. One of my favorite movie scenes is, uh, of all time, is in the animated classic, The Lion King. And I probably have referenced it in a sermon, maybe more than once, because it's just such a great moment. Simba, the, the main character, or I should ask this one too, how many of you have seen The Lion King? It's going to be the most hands yet, I think. It's okay if you haven't. Um, Simba... Uh, the main character, is he's living a life in exile because he thinks, he wasn't, but he thinks he was responsible for the death of his father, right? And so he's, he's cut himself off from the family, and, and he's living as though, as, lo- as though nothing matters. And uh, there's this fun song about whatever will be, will, will be Akuta Matata, and, and it, I mean, th- there's some happiness in it, but you, you get the sense from the movie he's not content. There's something missing for him in his life. And it's family. It's belonging. And so Rafiki, who was the spiritual advisor, a monkey, the spiritual advisor to his, to his dad, comes and finds him. And, uh, and he says to Rafiki, you knew my father. And Rafiki corrects him and says, I know your father. And Simba's like, no, you can't. he's dead. I'm, I hate to tell you, but he's dead. And... Uh, and Rafiki says no and invites him to follow him. So Simba follows him, and, and they end up at this, this pond, which is in the picture that you, you see here. And, and Rafiki tells Simba to look into the pond, and so he looks into the pond, and he sees his own reflection, and he just gets disappointed. Look, it's just my reflection. And then Rafiki says, look harder. You have to carry that harder out to, to get the full effect. Look harder. And Simba looks again, and then his father emerges in his reflection. And then his father appears in the clouds and in the, in the sky, like he sees his father above and below. And the voice of his father comes to him and says, Simba, you have forgotten me. And Simba says, no. How could I? And the father's voice says, you've forgotten who you are. And so have forgotten me. And then, before he departs, his father says to Simba multiple times, remember. Remember who you are. Remember 
who you are. Why? Because when we remember who we are, we remember the family that we belong to. And when we remember that we belong to God, that God is our Father, we begin to understand that that God's reflection lives in us. It's our inheritance to claim. Remember who you are. And in a biblical understanding, we might even say, remember whose you are. You are a child of God. And you're invited to remember who you are and let your life show it to the world. Claim the inheritance and and let that love transform your life and, and those around you. When you came in today, I hope you received a bookmark. It's kind of a large bookmark. Maybe we should call it a Bible insert. <laughs> Let me invite you to, to take these out right now. This insert has one sentence summaries of all of the sermons as we have walked through the Bible over the last several months since October of last year. And all the ways, all the, all the things that we have learned about the, the blessings and the gifts of being followers of Jesus, all the ways that this inheritance plays out in our daily lives are, are on this insert. And I hope you take it with you and can put it maybe in, in your Bible at home or, or somewhere to, to use as a, as a reflection to, to think about who we are, who we get to be as God's children Now, I want you to note something as you take this home, though, which is the things on this list are not things that you have to do to earn God's love, right? These are not the things you have to do to be a child of God. It doesn't work that way. These are the fruit, the the gifts that we experience when we live out the inheritance that we've been given, let me say this one more time so we're, we're super clear because I so, think sometimes we think, well, if I'm, if I'm not holding on to hope, then, then I'm not a child of God. No, you are a child of God, and as a child of God, you're invited to hold on to hope in the difficult times, right? This list includes the, the fruits and the, and the joys and the inheritance, the, the ways our life can reflect the goodness that God wants us to experience, each week we have a faith fit challenge. And this week I, I just want to invite us to take this list and, and reflect on it. And if you're watching at home, you'll find the, uh, the list is in the circle sermon guides, which you can get on circle curriculum if you uh, choose that on the, on the kind of bottom half of the opening website page. Right? This week our faith fit challenge is to reflect what does it mean to you to be a child of God? And as you do that, just three questions you can kind of ask. Some of you have been with us since last October and have walked this walk through, through the Bible asking this question of how God is at work in our daily lives. Some of you may be here for the first time today. Either way, invite, invite us all just to, to ask these questions, which is, 
Where are you challenged in your life of faith? And where have you grown in your relationship with Jesus? And finally, where would you like to continue growing? And as you answer those questions, just invite God to, to continue to, to help you claim, to claim that you belong as a child of God and guide you in, in living that out. So who are you? Say after me, I am a child of God. Now let's try that one more time. Who are you? You are a child of God. You're equipped by God to reflect the light of Christ into the dark places of the world. You're, you've inherited a love that's not going to end. You, you've inherited a life that is eternal. And in all of that, you are invited as a child of God to, to find your identity there and live fearless and boldly with that promise of life eternal. To accept an inheritance that life does not end and love has no boundaries. Who are you? Amen.